First Christian Church of Chiefland brings you the good news. And now, Tom Show. Today, I've entitled my sermon, I Hate to Rain on Your Parade, but... Sir? Mm -hmm. Sorry. Let me ask you, who doesn't love a parade? David doesn't love a parade. <laughs> well, for the most part, most people love parades. <laughs> You've marched in too many of them. There you go. It's a festive time. It's a joyous time. I remember in my childhood, growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania, we had parades for Memorial Day and Independence Day, Halloween and Christmas. Every year, four parades, and you look forward to each one. There were always the marching bands, the fire, and the police departments, local dignitaries and antique automobiles, and many local organizations and floats. There were lots of flags and music and laughter and excitement. You think even today we have parades, don't we? Every Thanksgiving is the Macy's Day Parade. Or the Rose Parade on New Year's Day. Both on TV. People love parades. But what's one thing? One thing that can ruin the mood of a parade? That's right. Rain. Today is a day that is called by many Palm Sunday. And that event is what today's sermon's about, especially about a parade. Well, I hate to rain on your parade, but Matthew 21, beginning with verse 1, says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loosen them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and all those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet, the Nazareth of Galilee. Who is this? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this morning, as we look into this, Scripture here when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And to many it's known as Palm Sunday. It was a parade. A joyous time. The people were excited. Jesus Christ the King was riding into the city. But what was wrong with this picture? The king riding on a donkey? Surely the king should be riding on a mighty white horse. 
Perhaps this is a king like no other. And as the people began to celebrate and rejoice, there was a storm on the horizon. And I pray, Lord, today that we'll understand the true meaning of what was going on in the parade as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem. And the people were crying out, Who is this? The city was moved with that question. Who is this? And the multitude cries out, This is Jesus, the Nazarene from Galilee. Today, I want us to look at a five-part answer to this question. Who is this? And when I say, it's Jesus, the king. But what kind of king is this? What kind of king is this? First, we're going to see what kind of king this is. Who is this? This is the triumphant king. Jesus, the triumphant king. What a beautiful scene we see depicted in this story. Of Jesus' triumphal entry into the holy city, Jerusalem. It's a lovely story, a magnificent story, and very well-known story. After this event in the life of Christ is read, there really isn't much else left to say. We would like to believe that it was a beautiful spring day. When the multitude assembled on the Mount of Olives, the olive trees in bloom, the hills polluted with bright colors of the flowers, the scent of springs in the air. You know what that brings, right? Puffy white clouds dotted the blue sky. The pleasant day brought with it joyful hellos, giggles from children and a sense of happiness. This would be a wonderful day for a parade. Well, a parade, you ask? Yes. A parade. This would be a day of fanfare, a day of cheering, praising, and triumph. You see, the king is coming. And Jesus enters the city as a triumphant king. And not just any king, it's the king of kings. His shouts go out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowd's worshiping their king. Quick, place down your garments on the road. Cut down palm branches. Let's honor and worship our king. But wait. What's this we see? Is the sky beginning to cloud? Do you hear the coming thunder? Can you smell and hear the presence of rain? Who would dare rain on our parade? It's a joyous time, a happy time, a celebration. Our king is entering the great city. But that's often the case, isn't it? We celebrate Palm Sunday and rush past seven quick days to Resurrection Sunday and hardly even stop to consider the events of the week. 
Oh, sure, we know all about them. We can stop and ponder them for a moment or two. But hey, it's Resurrection Sunday next week. Up early to go to worship. Dressed in our new spring clothes. Excited about hearing of the resurrection of Jesus. And then that big family dinner afterwards. Don't rave on my parade, preacher. Sorry. As Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story. You see, Jesus came as the triumphant king. Well, who is this? It's also Jesus, the sorrowful king. Do you see the clouds starting to roll in? The puffy white clouds are turning dark. The sun is covered. There's a storm coming. Can you see it? Do you hear it? It's Jesus, the sorrowful king. What is the source of the king's sorrow? What is it that is bringing on his great storm? Well, here are a few things. It's a city that refuses to hear. A city that refuses to hear. Jesus prophesied of the coming doom, but they didn't want to hear. They closed up their ears, closed up their eyes of the teaching of Jesus. It says in Jeremiah 5.21, Hear this, O foolish people, without understanding, who have ears and see not, who have, excuse me, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. A city that refuses to hear. Well, what about the thieves in the temple? It's for the second time, right after this triumphant entry, Jesus goes into the temple and he runs out the thieves from the temple, known as the money changers. Now, I don't know if you fully understand what was going on. You see, they're supposed to be in the temple because you would have to go in and you would trade your regular money for the to the money changer for the temple tax. Or you would go in and you would buy if you traveled long distance. When it was time to do the, the uh, sacrifice, you might come and have to buy a lamb. Or buy, if you're poor, buy two turtle doves or whatever. They're supposed to be there. What made them thieves? This is what made them thieves. They were cheating the people. Oh, the temple tax is only, uh, well, just for the lack of our knowledge of coins. Oh, the temple tax is uh, two quarters. But I give you a, a dollar and I expect four back. Oh, we're sorry. That's the, that's the going rate these days. One dollar. Here's your two quarters. Well, that's cheating. Well, well go tell the Romans. <laughs> go tell the Pharisees. Because, see, the Pharisees are getting one of those extra two quarters. And they're stealing from the people. Well, I'm paying for a lamb. Here's $10 for my lamb. Okay, we'll take care of it. Don't worry. Guess what? Lamb never makes it where it's supposed to go. Well, out back they have lambs that are scrawny and puny. And you bring a lamb and you give it to the, the priest. Oh, brand new lamb, yeah, we're going to take care of you. They take the brand new lamb, the nice lamb, the plump lamb, and take it out back and exchange it for a really scrawny, sickly lamb. You see what's going on here. And Jesus had it off for the second time. And he chases the money changers and the thieves from the temple. How about the conflict with the Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees? 
By what authority, they say, are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus, to whom should we pay taxes? Jesus, what about the resurrection? You see, Jesus, again, he has to put the unbelieving leadership of the Jewish people into their place. They were always questioning him, hounding him. What about this Jesus? What about that Jesus? Always trying to catch him in a lie or something. No wonder he was a sorrowful king. And what about the unbelieving and selfish apostles? Surely they're the right ones, right? <laughs> what are they always arguing about? Who will be the greatest in the kingdom? All this didn't just go on once or twice, brothers and sisters. This was an ongoing discussion. Even the night Jesus, even the night he instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room, they're still arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Then we go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what do we find out there? Jesus takes his three closest friends off to pray. He says, stay here and pray while I go down up here a little ways and pray. He's in intense prayer. He's in a prayer of grief and agony and pain alone in prayer. He goes back two times once he finds his best friends praying with him. No, they're asleep. Not only that, Judas betrays him. Peter, it said, denies him just as Jesus prophesied. Then all of his apostles depart. The only one he eventually saw again before he died was John. And he saw John at the foot of the cross when John brought Mary to see her son hanging on the cross. And then he was falsely tried in a mockery of a legal system. You see, this is Jesus, the man of many sorrows. He's the sorrowful king. And the sky grows darker. And as the rain begins, we see Jesus, the tortured king. Do you hear it? Do you hear the rain? Do you smell the rain? Do you feel it on your skin? It's a hard rain, a cold rain. It cuts you to the bone. It chills your insides. The rain is steady. The wind is brisk. It's raining on our parade. Jesus, the tortured king. That week he was beaten. He was smacked with reeds to his head. And the pain begins. He was humiliated by being stripped of his clothing and exposed before his enemies. He was mocked. Prophesied, O king! They put a purple robe on him and falsely worshipped him. They spit upon him. The physical pain, the emotional pain, the mental pain, and the rain comes harder. He's blindfolded and slapped with the palm of their hand. And they say, oh king, prophesy, who slapped you? He was scourged with a cat of nine tails. You know those shards of glass and bone, pottery, that were put on the end of the leather straps. As it tore his flesh and exposed his back nerves and muscles. You see, the Romans prided themselves in being able to beat a man to an inch of his life. So they still had something to crucify. 
and the pain was more intense, and the rain came harder, and they pulled out his beard by the handful, and they put a thorn of crowns upon his head. Oh, not those little crowns from a rose bush, no. These were an inch to an inch and a half thick. And they didn't only just put it on his head, but they pushed it down. So the blood ran down his head and onto his face. It says in John 19, 2 and 3, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put, it, uh, put on him a purple robe and they, they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. And then they forced him to carry his own cross. It was a heavy weight. And now he's in extreme pain. He could not even stand up under the weight of the cross that they had to get another one. It says in Luke 23, 26, a man by the name of Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it for Jesus. And the rain comes harder. Jesus, the tortured king, and in John 19, 17 through 19, we read, And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was this, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the storm is now in full force for the, the sacrificed king. The wind's furious. The rain comes in sheets. Can you see the lightning? Can you hear the thunder? It's loud. It's menacing. It crackles and it booms. And the wind's howling just like it's a hurricane. Jesus, the sacrificed king. I want to read Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, the psalmist wrote, and it's like reading of the crucifixion of Christ. Listen to these words in Psalm 22, verses uh, 6 through 18. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men despised of the people. All those who see me laugh at me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the heads, and he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he dies in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breast. I will cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me. For trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths. As a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of the dirt. Of the dust of the earth. For dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. For my, for my clothing they cast lots. Does that not sound like a crucifixion of Jesus? 
Now, do you feel his pain? His agony? As he hangs on that cross. Why won't God stop this? This is his son. Why, God? Please, God, stop this. But he doesn't. He just says, this is for you. And we say, why? He says, because I love you. Think about it, he's crucified on the place of a skull that depicts death. It's called Golgotha. And now, as the storm is at its height, it is total darkness. In Luke 23, 44 through 46, it says it was about the sixth hour, which means it was noon. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. The sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And the light of the world has gone out. And the storm rages on throughout the weekend. But early, early on Sunday morning, quiet. It's quiet. If you listen closely, you might hear a bird song. Is the storm over? And then we see, who is this? Jesus the victorious King. You see the clouds parting and the sunbeams shining through. Do you hear the morning song of the birds or the rocks? shouting in jubilation. He's alive! He's alive! He has risen! He has risen indeed. And now on the Sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. That's Matthew 28, 1 through 8. And then in John 20, verses 2 through 9, it says, And she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping down, looking in, he saw the linen cloth lying there. Yet he did not go in. And Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. The handkerchief that had been around his head. Not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in place by itself. And the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. And he saw and believed. And the storm has passed. It's a beautiful day. As the day dawned, Jesus, the victorious King,
is risen. Do you believe? Said that John believed. General Dwight Eisenhower said this quote, There are no victories at discount prices. No victories at discount prices. Our salvation costs God a great deal. But in the end, God will always be victorious. Do you believe? Olga Weiss wrote this poem. I'd like to read to you. The road is too rough, I said. Dear Lord, there are stones that hurt me so. And he said, dear child, I understand. I walked it long ago. But there's a cool green path, I said. Let me walk there for a time. No, child, he gently answered me. The green path does not climb. My burden, I said, is far too great. How can I bear it so? My child, he said, I remember the weight. I carried my cross, you know. But I said, I wish there were friends with me who would make my way their own. Oh, yes, he said, Gethsemane was hard to bear alone. And so I climbed the stony path, content as last, at last to know that where my master had not gone, I would not need to go. And strangely then I found new friends. The burden grew less sore, and I remember long ago, he went that way before. The victorious King Jesus. I'd like to read to you a writing by J. Alistair Brown as we close. Walking through a park, I passed a massive oak tree. A vine had grown up along its trunk. The vine started small, nothing to bother about, but over the years the vine had gotten taller and taller. By the time I passed, the entire lower half of the tree was covered by the vine's creepers. The mass of tiny feelers was so thick that the tree looked as though it had innumerable birds' nests in it. And now the tree was in danger. This huge, solid oak was quite literally being taken over. The life was being squeezed from it. But the gardeners in that park had seen the danger. They had taken a saw and severed the trunk of the vine. One neat cut across the middle. The tangled mass of the vine branches still clung to the oak, but the vine was now dead. That would gradually become plain as weeks passed and the creepers began to die and fall away from the tree. How easy it is for sin, which begins so small, seemingly insignificant, to grow until it has strangled grip on our lives. And yet, Christ's death has cut the power of sin. Yes, the creepers of sin still cling and have some effect, but sin's power is severed by Christ, and gradually sin's grip dies up and falls away. That, brothers and sisters, is why Jesus came.
And we are a mess when we think of the wonderful parade that Lord's Day morning. They didn't know it as the Lord's Day then. That Sunday morning known as Palm Sunday. It's a festive time. And many times we might read our Bible and we, we might get a little kick, a little laugh out of thinking about that beautiful day. And as we read, we probably read over the crucifixion pretty quick. Because really, in all things, not much is mentioned about what all Jesus went through. And I think that's the reason for it. Because you and I don't need to read the grim, terrible details of all that Jesus went through. I can't help but think I'm not a fan at all of horror movies. Some people are. But I can't help but think if you want a real horror movie, if we were able to transform into time and go back into that room from the day of the trial till Jesus was crucified, and we were, that'll be a real horror movie. What they did to Jesus before he was crucified. And that would scare the life out of us. And Jesus did it for us. We should want to follow him because of it. Now, do you want that sin to continue to cling to you? Or do you want it cut away? That's why Jesus hung on the cross. That's why he was victoriously raised on the third day. And that's why he's coming back. One of these days, you're going to have to answer to Jesus. Do you want to do it on his terms? Or on your terms? I'll tell you this right now. Your terms won't get you to heaven. His terms will. But see, Jesus is not going to send you to heaven or to hell, really. You've already made the choice. As I said when I preached a sermon in Michigan, I told the people this. On the day of judgment, God's only going to make sure you have the right residence that you've chosen for eternity. That's all. You're going to go to heaven, stand before God at judgment, and he's going to say, Oh, you've chosen your address to be hell. I'll help you on your way. Oh. Well, you've chosen your address to be heaven because you accepted my son. Welcome home. It's that simple. What's your answer to God going to be? Heaven or hell? Jesus? Jesus' way or your way? Now, if you're interested in Jesus' way and you haven't accepted Jesus yet, I'd love to sit down and talk with you today. It's quite simple. It's worth your time. Sweet by and by is our hymn of invitation today. We'll do just this first verse. Page 570. If you're able to stand, please do so. <coughs> There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. 
For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Heavenly Father, today we're truly grateful for the blessing of the Word of God, what it teaches us. And what a wonderful day that must have been when Jesus entered the city. But he didn't just come as any king. He came with a king, as a king with a, a strong purpose. And he faced much that week before he was crucified. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for what Jesus put up with for me for my brothers and sisters as well. So help us, Lord, to remember those things and rejoice for all Jesus did for us all. I pray, Father, that you'll see us safely. Watch over us this week. Protect us from harm. May we truly find joy this week in our lives and, and the peace that passes understanding. And may we allow others to know that same wonderful blessing that we receive from Jesus. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join hands with Jesus as we travel this song. For I'm part of the family, the family of God.